And you are listening to the Chris and Joe Show presented by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am your host, Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Plum. Wait, did I mess that up? No, you didn't. Is it Flum? I said it it right? Yep, it's Flum. You got it right. Flum got it right. First time round. I'm getting names names right. So you're already probably assuming. Yeah, off to a hot start. (laughs) So you're already probably thinking, you know, who's the new duo here? I'm not Dan, obviously, but I'm Joe DeLeon. You might recognize me from doing the social media content, doing some of the Facebook Lives and also doing some writing content. So I'm taking over for Dan. We're doing the uh, deep dive analysis on uh, Giants football, and I'm going to be doing it with Chris. Yeah, th- things are going to be a little bit different this time around. Uh, you know, we're mm-hmm. actually getting started with week one this year. <laughs> Last year, Dan got started week three. I joined in week four because of things. And also, we're probably not going to be quite as stats heavy. So I, I don't know if that'll make this a little bit easier listening for some of our listeners. <laughs> I'm not complaining about the stats heavy thing. Not a big stat head like uh, like Dan was. But uh, like you said, though, Chris, we're uh, starting off right off the bat. And today we're actually going to be taking a look at how the preseason roster ended up shaping out. There's obviously still some time for things to be finalized, but we're going off of how things are looking at the current moment. And there are some pretty unexpected things that happen. There's some things that we weren't really predicting that could have happened with this roster. And Chris, why don't we go right on into it? And what do you think was the biggest surprise returning player that you thought was a big question mark that he probably shouldn't still be on this team? I'm not going to say shouldn't, but up until, I don't know, an hour ago, my answer would have been BJ Goodson, you know. As the people who've listened to this podcast before know, I'm a fan of Goodson. I like him. I didn't think he would make it through final cuts, and he did. Then I went in to take a shower this morning. I got out, and he was no longer on the roster, which yeah, that does kind of that does tend to happen this time of year. So, as far as guys who are surprises, I think we both kind of agreed off air that Paul Perkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely yeah, I completely agree with the Paul Perkins one. I really didn't see a lot from him in the preseason. What, what was your reasoning for for him not really making a case for himself? I just thought it had been maybe a little bit too long out of football for him. Yeah, he was on the injured reserve last year. He the year before he basically got no touches in favor of Orleans Darkwa. You know, McAdoo would put him in the game for one touch, and that would be it regardless of how well it went. So I just wasn't quite sure how much he had left, but I was fairly impressed with him in preseason this year. I I thought he had a, a power element to his game that he just didn't have back in 2016. Well, I'm sure that now he's back and healthy. That is helping him. Um, he was obviously recovering from the pectoral injury, and that really is not easy. And I've actually, I'm currently still recovering from one. And again, not an easy thing to come back from. So props for him to being back and healthy and ready to play. But from a standpoint of how he looked uh, in his performance in the preseason, I still kind of saw a lot of the same Paul Perkins when it came to his vision. Um, in particular, the one play that really stuck out to me was the in the final preseason game, he ran into the line of scrimmage and got tackled uh, behind the line of scrimmage on a fourth down play. So again, not really seeing anything that really flashed to me that really stood out that he deserved to be the currently the, I believe he's the third running back right now. 
Um, I was a little bit more excited by Hilleman. I was hoping that maybe he would be that final guy as more of a developmental piece, but uh, he ended up sticking around. And and that was, again, to both of us, a little bit, bit of a surprise. Now, on the flip side of things, though, Chris, who was the biggest surprise cut that somebody that you really did not think was going to be removed from this team? I, for me, it was actually TJ Jones. Just because of the injuries the Giants have dealt with at wide receiver, you know, Sterling Shepard has been out all preseason. They've had guys dropping like flies, getting up, and then dropping back down again. Uh, Golden Tate is going to be suspended for the first four weeks. He is currently not on the team, even though he will be eventually. And the Giants basically used Jones as a stand-in for those guys. They played him out wide. They played him in the slot. They used him on a lot of those shallow run-after-catch passes that, personally, I expect to see, especially from Golden Tate. I thought it was just natural that they would have him and just use him in the manner they had planned for Tate. So for me to see him cut and to be one of the fairly early cuts was a surprise. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from with TJ Jones. I honestly thought he had a pretty impressive preseason. He's obviously been in the league for a couple of years now after being drafted by the Lions. I think that was maybe four years ago, somewhere in that range. But I really like what I saw from TJ Jones as well. Um, it is kind of a full receiving group, but because of the issues that they had with Sterling Shepard's in- injury, uh, Golden Tate's suspension, you would have thought that they'd be willing to keep some more depth pieces. But now they ended up bringing in Cody Core. Uh, as that almost that final receiver. But my really big surprise, and I don't know if you agree with me on this one or not, Chris, is I thought that Kyle Laletta was a bit, pretty big of a surprise of a cut in favor of uh, Alex Tanny. Because in my opinion, I did not see anything from Alex Tanny that really made me confident in him as a third quarterback. If he in any situation had to come in and play, I would not be confident in him to get the job done. Uh, he was the only quarterback to throw three interceptions, and the only quarterback in general to throw an interception in the preseason. But he just lacked the ability to move the offense. Kyle Oletta has a lot of upside. He has a lot of potential. He's coming from an FCS program, so he's a little bit more behind in his development. But I at least wanted to see that development for him and potentially be that backup quarterback for Daniel Jones after this season going into the future. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the... Decision to keep Tanny has more to do with the quarterback room and the locker room than it does for his play on the field. I think they're kind of hoping he can be an additional quarterbacks coach, a mentor, that sort of thing to Daniel Jones while Eli is doing his thing prepping as the starter so he doesn't have to play mentor and also try to win games. But yeah, Lola definitely looked better. I kind of had the feeling going into this offseason that the Giants were pretty much over him after you know, the incident getting arrested and you know, reports that he had been late to practices and stuff like that even before that happened. And then just that disastrous fourth quarter against the Washington Redskins. Yeah, So I coming into the offseason, I... I kind of felt like the Giants were done with him. I didn't think he would be on the roster, but then he he showed out. He played well in preseason. He was accurate. He was decisive. He still 
doesn't have a huge arm, but you don't need a huge arm. You know, he can he could fit the ball in where he had to. He could throw with velocity in the short and intermediate section of the field. I thought he did well, and that was that was kind of a surprise cut. Yeah, we did really see a big step up in his level of play, but apparently not enough in his maturity, if that was the the real case for him um, being cut. But just kind of finalizing what you were saying, though, I just saw a lot more consistency from Kyle Oletta rather than what I saw from Alex Tanney. It seems like there were a lot of instances where they were getting stopped on third down. He was throwing really questionable passes, and then eventually three of those ended up getting picked off. Now, before we take a look at this roster as a whole, we're going to take a very brief commercial break. So as this roster seems like it's it's pretty much final right now, um, we can kind of take a look at the position groups and have an understanding for, you know, what's the deepest, what looks the best. So, Chris, what do you think right now is the strongest position group on this team? Uh, maybe not in, in terms of total numbers, but I will say probably the offensive guard and defensive tackle or interior defensive lineman positions. Yeah, the Giants have good starters at both on both sides of the ball there. Yeah, their guard tandem might be, well, I'm not going to say it's the best in the league, but it's up there. They're definitely top 10. They might even be able to push the top five if Will Hernandez really does take that next step forward. And then on the defensive side, Dexter Lawrence didn't do a whole lot in the preseason. But that's kind of okay, because the Giants have Dalvin Tomlinson, who is about as good a nose tackle as you can ask for, without being Damon Harrison. And B.J. Hill took a lot of people by surprise last year, but he's got game. Yeah, I agree with both of your picks there. My my pick ended up being the offensive line just in general. I think that this whole revamped unit looks very strong. They were pretty impressive in what we limited action we got to see during the preseason. But I completely agree with the point you made about the guard tandem. They are going to be pushing for top five in the league because obviously Kevin Zeitler is a top five player at his position. But Will Hernandez has only been getting better. And a lot of people have been talking about how much better Will Hernandez is looking and how dominant he potentially could be um, at his position. But my second pick, you know, in the back of my head, it's funny that you did end up start start talking about the the defensive tackles that they have uh, was the defensive line for me because BJ Hill really shocked some people like you pointed out. But overall, there's just a lot of talent there that is continuing to develop and grow. And potentially, I think that this unit could be scary good in maybe next season or the year after that. Yeah, I think that will kind of depend on Dexter Lawrence's development and also whether or not the Giants keep Dalvin Tomlinson because they do have a habit of just kind of going through defensive tackles. You know, they'll draft one and he'll be pretty good his first year, really good his second year. Yeah, good as third year, and then after his fourth year, they just let him go to sign a, a contract elsewhere. So that's something I'm watching just kind of far off in the future. But assuming they can keep this group together, yeah, they they do have some good potential there. Yeah, I like what I saw from Olsen Pierre. I'm a little surprised they only kept five true defensive linemen. Perhaps they're kind of counting uh, Kareem Martin as 
you know, more of a defensive end than an outside linebacker, just considering how often they play a four-man front. Yeah, I, again, going back to the Dalvin Tomlinson thing, though, I, I really do hope that they're they're smart about him and end up extending him and bringing him back because he has been an underrated performer on this defensive line. Now, on the other side of things here um, for the Giants position groups, who do you think needs to improve the most? What position group is a little bit thin and could use maybe a playmaker or just some additional depth? I kind of feel two ways about this. I think I might actually go with the wide receiving core. Now, we haven't seen Sterling Shepard at all, basically. And I do think he's going to be better than people think he will be as a, we'll say number one receiver, but as a guy who plays outside, plays inside, moves around, I think given more opportunities and the opportunity to play get experience out there kind of full-time in the NFL, I think he will respond well to that. I think we also haven't given enough credit to the rest of the Giants receivers this preseason. Yeah, I think they played better than they really have gotten credit for. Yeah, I The other day I went back and watched basically all of Daniel Jones' throws, and I counted a fair amount of them where it was actually the receiver adjusting to the ball and making a catch that wasn't exactly easy. You know, the accuracy was there. The placement to me wasn't wasn't as great as people were talking it up. But the receivers did their part. They expanded their catch radius. They plucked the ball out, secured the catch, and even if they weren't in great position to get yards after the catch, they did what they could. All that being said, this still is not, I don't think it's a great unit. It's not bad, but I also don't think it's really going to scare defenses and force them to force, really force defenses' hands as far as coverage and what they can and cannot do. And I'm afraid that might limit the offense a little bit. I, I, I certainly see where you're coming from in that point. And I think the big thing that, that comes with the weakness in the receiving group is that there really isn't a major playmaker in that group that can draw a lot of attention. It's just a lot of pretty good guys. Golden Tate's a little bit on the later edge of his career. Sterling Shepard's a bit of a question mark because he's right now kind of considered to be the number one receiver in this group. And we have not seen him play in that role, especially because he was hurt during the preseason. So uh, receiving group, big question mark right now. Hopefully they maybe can pick up somebody um, as the season progresses and, and help improve that. But I honestly think that the the linebackers right now are, are a little thin. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of promise there. You have Alec Ogletree, who is a little bit above average. But besides that, there's nothing that really excites me. Um I, we need to see a big step up from Lorenzo Carter this season as, as more of a pass rusher. But, you know, Tay Davis, nothing incredible that he's done. Um, and their depth is okay, considering we didn't see a ton from uh, O'Shane Zimenez as well. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, I think you're probably a little bit higher on Ogletree than I am. Uh, yeah. You know, he's athletic, but I, t- I tend to think his his – mental processing at least for most of last year 
had him playing slower than he timed. Yep, maybe the second year in the defense that will change. I certainly hope so. Uh, I think Ryan Connolly is a guy who plays faster than he timed. So the duo, so if the two of them are playing together, that will be interesting. Uh, I'm right there with you on Lorenzo Carter. I want to see what Marcus Golden has because he he was not a great athlete before his knee injury and you know, sometimes guys just can't get back to their previous level so to me that's a question mark yeah it's the group could be better than we think it's going to be but yeah it's a question mark yeah, I was being a little bit generous with the Alec Ogletree thing. I wasn't trying to, you know, I didn't want to say he was good because I, I'm not a huge fan of what he does. I agree that his, uh, you know, his ability to process things and read things is not as good as it really should be for a Mike linebacker. But yeah, no, I was being a, a you know a hair a little bit too generous and maybe saying above average. <laughs> um, so the final thing though that that I think everybody is kind of talking about indirectly and thinking about and wondering is. How is the situation with Daniel Jones going to pan out during the season? Because we saw some impressive things from him. We saw some things that maybe weren't all that great, but he did overall have a pretty good first preseason for a rookie quarterback that a lot of people thought needed a lot of time to develop. And a lot of people are really, I think, are wondering, when is Daniel Jones going to get his first chance, even if he is going to get onto the field this year? Do you, When do you foresee that happening, Chris? I am actually going to take an answer from Mark Schofield when we talked about this over the summer. I'm looking at week seven. That's when my Daniel Jones watch is going to start. Because at that point, we should have a pretty good idea as to whether or not the Giants are at least going to be able to think about being in contention. They have the mini-bye week after their Thursday night game against the Patriots, which if there's a game that will knock them out, and really get the coaches thinking about next year. I think that one could be it. It also is kind of the last easy stretch of their season because week seven, they get the Cardinals, which, you know, who knows what that's, that team's going to be. They get the Lions, who, again, who, who quite knows what that team's going to be. Then they get the rematch against the Cowboys, the Jets, and then the bye week. Yeah, looking at the week after the bye week, they get the Bears, the Packers, the Eagles. You know, a little break with the Dolphins and Redskins, and then the Eagles again. That's a tough row for a rookie quarterback. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at that mini bye week if the Giants are out of it, or at least on life support. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from from week seven. I'm a little bit more um, optimistic uh, situationally. I'm hoping that they're not out of things. Um, by week seven, but they do have a bit of a, a tough stretch in this in those first seven games. Not particularly all those teams are super competitive, but if you find yourself losing to the Bills, the Bucks, or or the Redskins in those situations, maybe is the time to reevaluate. Okay, now's the time to get Daniel Jones out there, and now's the time to see what he can do and allow him to progress and develop. But I think my pick though would have to be after the bye week, as much beneficial it would be for them after that mini bye week you referenced would be to get him some time to get ready. Um, I think that the bye week's a perfect opportunity because he can kind of ease himself into it. 
mentally prepare himself, um, you know, just kind of get himself ready for that opportunity and he'll have a week, a week and some change to do so. Um, but yeah, no, somewhere in that, that seven to 12 range, depending on what happens, if things are not going well for this Giants team, or in particular, if the offense is not running at the capability that it could be. Yeah, I, I think maybe one final kind of option we could see is maybe the Giants take the bye week to start upping his snaps in practice, and then that Week 15 game against the Dolphins. You know, once they're past the Bears and past the Eagles and those teams pass rush, and you know, you don't have the pressure of trying to, you know, maybe match up and match Aaron Rodgers. You know, Miami and Washington, oh, pardon me, you know, Miami and Washington, those should be winnable games. So the Giants have really, really emphasized high notes for Jones, you know, instead of putting him back in to start the second half in the third preseason game, they let him go out on the touchdown. You know, basically every time he's played, they've tried to keep him in just long enough to get a, get a confidence builder. So just looking down the, down the road, those two games could be confidence builders for him. It really is going to be a situation that a lot of people are going to be watching closely, as I said, because you spend a sixth overall pick on a new quarterback. You kind of want to see what that new toy can do. And if he's going to be this dominant successor to Eli Manning uh, that everyone really is hoping for. So it's going to be an interesting situation to see what happens with Daniel Jones. Um, Hopefully, realistically, that doesn't happen, that they don't need to put him in and that things are going well. But just looking at the roster and, and how things are shaping out, that might not exactly be the case. Um, but that looks like it's going to be uh, it for us in our first episode of the Chris and Joe show. You got any closing thoughts for us, Chris? Not especially, not right now. We'll see what happens over in the next couple of days. We'll be back at the end of the week for our, uh, for our preview of week one. Regular season is finally here. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're hyped and ready to go chomping at the bit for this first game against the Cowboys. But like you said, Chris, we got our first episode previewing our first game coming up later in the week so stay tuned for that but thank you for listening in to the first ever episode of the chris and joe show on the big blue view podcast network 